Today, we continue our State of the Franchise series by looking up north to our friends over in Vancouver. Uh, Trevor Beggs from the Vancouver Canucks, Locked on Canucks, joins where we look at the State of the Franchise for the Canucks. What's going on up there? Um, if they can figure out what sort of direction it, that they want to be in. Um, so all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked On Sharks, the premier Hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at Inside the Rink in San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you for making Locked On Sharks your first listen. Proudly a part of the Locked On Network. We cover your team every day. And if you want to be an everydayer, all you got to do is just follow on wherever you get podcasts. Or you can watch on YouTube as well. And we are joined by Trevor Beggs of Locked On Canucks. How's it going, buddy? Uh, JD, great to be here with you. You know, heard heard lots of great things, but uh, you know, first uh, first time doing the show, it's uh, it's an honor to be with be, be here with you, man. Uh, all those things you heard are lies. Uh, I don't know who you heard great things from. Uh, that is one thousand percent a lie. And uh, uh, JD's, but- a, JD's a modest guy. He's he, he's giving me parenting <laughs> advice before you know the show started. He's just being a modest guy here. You keep the bar low, and then that way, no matter what, you're you know you you can't can't fail if you just keep the bar low um so before we get into the uh state of the connects franchise um which is definitely one of the more interesting franchises in the entire nhl do want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you guys by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment matter more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started so trevor Give me the official state of the Vancouver Canucks uh, who missed the playoffs last year. It feels like they have been one of the biggest storylines in all of uh, the NHL from the past couple seasons. They made the playoffs, of course, in the bubble season. Um, and then it's been, it feels they've gone through GMs, coaches, everything. What is the state of the Canucks franchise as of 2023? Oh, JD, that's such a <laughs> such a loaded question. But you know, honestly, I see I see similarities between the Canucks and Sharks in, in one way here, and that's you know, growing they play up hockey. The, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the Sharks almost are like the Canucks, but have a bit less drama, but they're also a bit worse. You know what I mean? Very similarities. Oh, oh, they are terrible. The, the Sharks were the worst things <laughs> in the NHL. They are terrible, so it's fine. But no, so, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say going big picture here, like the Sharks and Canucks both in the two thousands, and for a long stretch, were both really good teams and. You know, the state of the Canucks franchise, they've been bad for a decade. I think that's the state of the franchise in a nutshell. Because, you know, every season it's like, is this team going to be better? Are they going to make the jump? And it's, you know, they've had one good season in almost a decade now, right? You know, making the playoffs only in 2019-20. So I think it's the state of the franchise is a lot of frustration, a lot of turmoil, Mm -hmm. a lot of drama. And the hope is that some of that drama is in the past now that they have, you know, a new GM in, a new coach in. Um, so, you know, it's, I think there's tepid optimism, but there's a lot of fresh pent up frustration in this market for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, right. It's this, what are they? Are they a, a playoff team? Are they a contender? Are they a rebuild? Or are they just kind of one of these creamy middle teams right now? And I, I, I just feel like that's kind of what the Canucks are. They just don't have a direction, right? And you would think you have a 
budding superstar, right? And Elias Pedersen, uh, like you have good players. You have Quinn Hughes is, you know, one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. But like, what what is this team right now? <laughs> I, I, they're, they're a team with stars, as you mentioned, yeah. right? And I think that's where a lot of the hope is in this market. You know, Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko, um, if they all hit on their on their potential next season, the Canucks might not need to be a good team. Like those three guys could could almost do it for the Canucks. <laughs> um, but it's at the end of the day, it's just that this team has failed to build around those guys. And still, they have good players, but the mix is still a little weird. The defense is very much a work in progress. And I know we'll talk about some of the new additions uh, that the Canucks made in the offseason. Um, addition by subtraction might have been the biggest thing. But yeah, it's just it's an incomplete team. It's still an incomplete team. And until they prove otherwise, it's, um, you know, they're kind of like looking in that creamy, mushy middle, unfortunately. Right. They should be a playoff team. If they're not a playoff team, next season's a failure. But um, whether Ooh. they're actually a playoff team or not is uh, another question. Is it do you think going back to that like playoff run in, you know, in the bubble where they, you know, they took the Vegas to what game six, game seven, game seven um, yeah. you know, and do you think that was one of those where maybe they, I don't want to say they, they were a little too good too soon. And maybe they, they tried to kind of continue instead of continually to build slowly. They tried to kind of be like, Hey, we might be better than we think. Or do you, what, what do you think happened? What do you think has happened since those past couple seasons? Yeah. I think that bubble run was so interesting because if you look at what was going on when COVID hit, the Canucks yeah. were in the playoffs, but they were they were sliding out. So, like, would this team, would that team have even made the playoffs in a regular year? I think that's very much a debate. So, I mean, they caught lightning in a bottle a bit. Like, they were really they were rock solid against St. Louis. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, what happened at the end of that, uh, you know, the 2020 off season is that the Canucks just decided not to spend money anymore. I don't know if it was like COVID restraints or what, but you know, they let Markstrom walk, they let Tanev walk, they let Toffoli walk. Um, they let Stetcher walk and they bring in Holtby and they re-signed Bertanen, which was both were disasters. So I think it was, you know, they didn't, they were acting like a playoff team up until 2020. They made the playoffs and then all of a sudden they kind of started acting like a rebuilding team. Like we're just going to let these guys walk and, and they just made some bad decisions and it's just kind of right back to uh, where we are now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you think has been the biggest storyline this offseason for the Canucks? The biggest storyline for sure was buying out uh, Oliver Ekman Larson. I think the fact that they actually bit the bullet and did it, uh, most in this market, most pundits were saying it wasn't going to happen. You know, uh, Trevor Beggs, Locked on Canucks, was saying it was going to happen. And I think it needed to happen this offseason um, because the biggest cap um, uh, win for the Canucks is this uh, this year, right? You know, yeah. Oliver Ekman Larson was $7.26 million under the cap. Um, 7.1 of that is off the books this season. Um, so, you know, it's again, moves like that, the signal of the Canucks, you know, should be a playoff team. Um, they've made moves like re-signing JT Miller that makes them a playoff team. Um, but yeah, they actually have to get it done. I mean, again, but though the fact that they actually bought out Ekman Larson would be, um, would be the biggest storyline for sure, because I don't think many expect that to actually happen. All right. I think the other kind of big storyline that hasn't been resolved is the upcoming Pedersen extension, right? Um, that that's I think all Canucks fans are just waiting for that tweet of like it's yeah. he's here he's you know eight years eight more years of PD is do you think it gets done before the season starts? I I don't um, I'm I'm hopeful obviously it'd be nice if it got yeah. done but I'd be I'd be very surprised um, I think Pedersen um, you know I know Aho signed but there's other shoes to drop as well Pedersen is more on a Matthews level than an Aho level um, so I think there's other shoes to drop here and yeah I, I think this is going to go down like probably until sometime next season. Um, mm. I'd love to be wrong, but you know, you could see maybe the Canucks want to sign him to just above Aho money in that 10 ish million range. Um, I would say Patterson's probably worth passion rack money, if not more, uh, kind of counting for cap inflation as well. Um, we did an episode on that and 
you know, the cap goes up by 4 million and he's getting Pashnak money, he'd be making 11, $11.75 million. So um, I think there's a gap there and I'd, I'd be surprised if it got solved this offseason. Yeah, and especially a guy who's 24 uh, and just entering his prime. And if you sign him now to eight years, you're getting him through all of his prime years until he's 31, 32. Um, that's that's the like time to do it right here is yeah. to try to like get him locked up now because um, he's probably just going to go out and put up another 100 points again this season and then just drive his price up again, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, Benning should have signed him to a long-term term extension when they signed Hughes to a long-term extension, but that's another story. No, good old uh, Jay yes. Benning. Oh, believe me, uh, the yeah, kicking the can down the road, the Doug Wilson story uh, for contracts uh, right there. So, um, and then you wait too long and you resign him, and then you were paying Mark Edward Vlasic uh, $7 million Ooh. until he's 30s, until the sun explodes, actually, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, whichever comes first. Uh, so, before we look at kind of what the Canucks did this offseason, um, look at their drafts, uh, some of their free agent signings, and then get into a nice preview of, of what you think the Canucks are going to do this year, do want to take a quick break, talk to you guys about our good friends over at FanDuel. And if you want to take our actually, ah, football season's here, guys. So, oh, oh yeah. Yes, very excited. Football season's about to kick off. And even if you're one of those guys who wants to, you love betting on preseason because you're just a degenerate. They've got you covered for that as well. Um, right now, you can even bet on everything from Super Bowl winner, which is insane. I'm just going to pick, actually, putting some money on my Dolphins. Not the worst thing in the world. So anyway, uh, right now you can bet on the Super Bowl winner. You can bet on anything. They've got uh, divisions. You've got player props. They've got a bunch of bajillion things to check out. Um, so go over to FanDuel.com. Um, check out all their amazing things. And Right now, every bet gets you a bonus bet every time they win in the regular season. So uh, if you pick your Super Bowl winner, maybe you pick the Chiefs. Every time you they win during the regular season, you get a bonus bet during uh, the regular season for that win. So you can use your bonus bets on the spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right. Uh, this offseason. Let's start with the draft. Um, the pick on number 11, uh, they went Tom Willander, who I think I like Tom Willander. I think he was my th like third or fourth defenseman um, in the draft. I, I know you're very excited about Willander. Um, so what do you think of the, the, the Connects draft? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised in the slightest when they actually picked Willander. All the smoke around him, um, you know, it's uh, they took him out for dinner. I think they all they really liked him through the process. Uh, certainly when Zach Benson was on the board, that was my first reaction is that they probably shouldn't have passed on Zach Benson. Because uh, <laughs> um, I, I get it, positional need. It's hard to draft these right-hand defensemen. Yes. And if he, if he projects and he hits and he is a solid like top four, you know, top two defenseman, then the Canucks are going to look uh, brilliant. But, you know, right now it's, um, you know, looking at the past couple of draft seasons, like look here, Mackie and Willander now. It's like, I think they probably pass on some better talent in, in both situations. I know look here, Mackie got a bit unlucky, but yeah um yeah i think in both drafts you're kind of walking away from alvin and and the, and the staff and, you're, and you have some questions for sure yeah i mean i know you know kind of look at the rest of their draft um they drafted hunter Rovitsky, who was a potential kind of middle of the second round pick um and i think that's as good value at least in the third round um you know but they 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 kept up their picking swedish people because the uh the canucks love drafting swedes uh i mean I like drafting Swedes too. Swedes are great. Uh, but, you know, I think the Willander, it's going to be an interesting, interesting decision, especially. But if you found a long term partner for Quinn Hughes, like 
that's all that mm-hmm. matters. Like, uh, that's awesome. Or at least somebody who can maybe alleviate some of the pressure on Hughes. So Hughes doesn't have yeah. to do everything in the future. Um, you know, and that you have two solid defensemen, like at least two pairings where you have good offense. And, you know, Quinn Hughes is otherworldly, but like if Willander can be like a, uh, you know, a, a souped up second pairing defenseman, that's, that's, not a bad start right there. So, uh, and I think him going to playing in the NCAA this year, I think that's where he's projected yeah. to go. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's going to be good for his game too. I, I really like Willander. Um, I still would have gone Axel Santin Pelica, but uh, again, defenses for nerds go score a bunch of points. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, maybe that's why he likes Andy Pelica. You know, he doesn't like defense either. He just likes to score a bunch of points. So it's all. Uh, that's why I love Derek Carlson. Go score a bunch of points. <laughs> and yeah. Don't care about defense. Go score a bunch of points. Oh, so, geez. All right. Um, in free agency, so what was the big? What would you kind of? How would you sum up the Canucks free agency this year? I mean, if it was on a bell curve, it'd be an A plus uh, okay. because I think that July first has historically been, you know, the worst day for the Canucks, at least since Jim Benning joined the team. <laughs> like every time July first rolls around, something really bad happens, and I think the Canucks avoided doing something really bad. I think that was the big win. I mean, with with Susie and Cole, I mean, I I probably like the Cole bet a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just based on the tough competition he was facing last year, he was really good on the penalty kill. Um, I, I really like the Cole on a, on a one-year, $3 million deal. I think that made a lot of sense. Susie's a bit of a gamble, I think. I mean, I, I'm hopeful. Um, yeah. I think maybe some pundits are maybe more hopeful than I am. But, um, you know, Susie's really just been a third-pairing defender. And I think the way I'm lagging out is uh, in my head is probably different to, you know, most pundits in this market. But most most people in Vancouver think Hughes and Cole are going to play together. And then Susie and her own are going to be together in the second pair. Mm-hmm. I would rather see Hughes and Susie because I just think Cole knows he's doing a bit more in that defensively reliable second pairing role. I don't really want a Susie to learn that beside Heronic because, you know, <laughs> Heronic has succeeded with like steady partners and he, yeah. with no unsteady partners, he doesn't look so good. Whereas I think Hughes can support anybody. Like I think yeah. Susie could look great beside the Hughes because I think most guys look good beside Hughes. <laughs> uh, I mean, Eric Carlson was playing with, you know, like, Derek Pouliot and you know oh, yeah. Scott Harrington last year and you know there's yeah like I I get the uh, when you have a defenseman like a Hughes or a Carlson or whatever like it just just find them somebody who can just kind of yeah. cover for those guys so yeah exactly um, yeah so what do you think is uh I mean the Canucks I know are, are still very tight to the cap right now um they currently have 13 forwards eight defensemen uh with kind of no only one guy looks like who's uh slide eligible right now. So um they are over the cap at like 4.26 million as of right now. Um, according to cap friendly, what do you think any moves that they do to help to kind of get themselves under the cap? Yeah. So right now they, they can get under the cap with some maneuvering. We've uh, we've yeah. done some digging about that on, on locked on Canucks. Um, because right now Tucker Pullman, it sounds like he's going to go to LTIR um, yep. unless something dramatic happens. Alvin actually said that he thinks Pearson's going to be ready for camp, which okay. I'm skeptical of just based on everything Pearson's been through. I was in the end of season uh, media availability. I saw his hand. His hand still looks really bad. Like it's all purple and cast it up. And yeah, Tanner Pearson's been through the ringer. So I think whether Tanner Pearson and his $3.25 million salary ca- uh, cap it end up on LTIR um, is a kind of a big good decision there. But aside from that, they can do some maneuvering to get both the cap. So they're right up against it, but they could be under right now. So I, I don't really expect any more moves to happen um, mm-hmm. aside from kind of guys being shuffled in terms of uh, with the team, without the team, or LTR or not. Gotcha. Okay. Um, do you think they have any other kind of, I know we're kind of in the dog days of, you know, of summer right now is a, um, any other potential signings or maybe guys that, you know, that you hope that maybe they kind of look to try to try to 
at least kick some tires on here. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll answer that. And then we got to talk about one thing quick because I, okay. I, I said no player movement, but there's, there's one between the Canucks and Sharks we got to talk about. Um, in terms of guys they could sign, I mean, I'm a little surprised that Pius Suter hasn't signed yet, unless I'm missing something as I've been off over the summer. I said the Sharks should sign Pius Suter as well, too. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he makes sense for a lot of teams. I'm not sold on Teddy Bluger as a third line center, although I think he's an okay one year bet. Yeah. Um, but Pius Suter still floating out there is interesting. I think Max Comtois, um, I think Max Comtois has the potential to have a Sam Bennett-like effect if he hits on his potential. Yeah. Um, but, you know, him floating out there is kind of interesting, too. So those are guys I kind of look at. I mean, Tyler Mott, former Canuck. Uh, I don't know if fans want to see him back, but he was great when he was here. Um, <laughs> right. But aside from that, maybe the, the the Tyler Myers stuff, okay? Now that, uh, that's he the is talk in tall. Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, he's tall. He's tall. Big neck. You know, really big neck. <laughs> Um, let me just say, San Jose Sharks, I, I think you guys could use a guy like Tyler Myers, okay? Um, you know, steady veteran, but last season, you know, he was play. you know, the class coaches, both Goudreau and Talker were playing this guy like a bona fide top four defenseman, top penalty killing defenseman. He can do it all. He's got the big neck, the big reach. I think he'd be perfect for a uh, rebuilding team like the San Jose Sharks. And, and so that's the rumor in Vancouver. You know, it's been put out there. Uh, the Myers, the Myers, Myers or, or, or maybe Myers going to the Sharks after his uh, signing bonus gets paid out in September. Because <laughs> after that, it's only uh, like $1 million you guys owe him. So, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a fit. The Myers for Kevin LeBanks one for one trade. Uh, yeah. Because uh, Kevin LeBank, uh, yeah, that guy is the most. Eddie Sharks fan. He's because like if you look at his analytics and like this guy's great. Like why is he not? And then you watch him on the eye. He's like the the guy where the eye test and the analytics just do not match. And it's uh it's like he's such a frustrating player because yeah. you can see the spurts of it, but then like when you're when David Quinn's just like please sit down and don't play anymore right now, uh, even though the team is just bad. Um, yeah, it's there's there's something that disconnects there, and I yeah, uh, I don't want to take on any more cap. Uh, <laughs> like and Kevin LeBanc is an awkward fit for the Canucks. I mean, I get it. You theoretically yeah. you'd free that one point two five million dollars in salary cap space, which means something. But with LeBanc, it's like okay, you got Connor Garland, you got Anthony Beauvillier, you got Niels Hoagland, and now you're gonna have Kevin LeBanc. You're gonna have like four, five, ten wingers in your lineup. Like, I even think Bovillia, Garland, Hoaglander is probably too much for the Canucks right now. Never mind adding a guy like LeBanc to that. So it's an, it's an awkward fit. Yeah. Uh, Kevin LeBanc's been an awkward fit for the Sharks since <laughs> he signed that contract. So, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Never forget that discount, though. That Yeah, he took that discount. Good for him. Uh, good for him trying to help the Sharks. And now he's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe it's already been four years since that contract signed. Four years, yeah. Yeah, this is the fourth year of it. I can't believe it's already been four years. Uh, time flies um, yeah. when you're having fun. So before we get into what you think the Canucks are going to do this year, um, do you want to thank you guys for making Locked On Sharks your first listen? Again, probably a part of the Locked On Network. We cover your team every day. If you want to be an everyday, all you got to do is just follow along wherever you get podcasts or you can subscribe on YouTube. Um, if you missed this week, of course, we had plenty of Eric Carlson stuff. Uh, we recap the trade, talk about his legacy. And then also Stephen Ellis from uh, Daily Faceoff or came on to discuss uh, what he saw from all the charge prospects at the world junior summer showcase. So make sure you guys, if you haven't checked those out, go check those out. And we'll be back next week to discuss more fun off season stuff about locked on sharks. So, all right. Uh, Trevor, this off season, uh, what is the best case scenario for the Canucks? Oh, they, like they go on a miracle run, man. Like, you know, Ederson <laughs> Hughes and, you know, everyone's just amazing. Heronics, like, a you know, one of the best defensemen in the NHL, JT Miller, Pedersen, both put up a hundred points. Besser bounces back, you know, all kinds of things could go right. 
Uh, and then the Canucks, you know, make it to Pleasant. Anything can happen. Like even, you know, going to these playoffs, it's, uh, you know, playoffs are unpredictable. So that's the best case scenario. It's like this team's got the talent to maybe surprise people and go on some Cinderella run. Um, the worst case scenario, I think we've seen it every year for the, almost like the past 10 years, is that this team uh, flames out. They're doing this like death march in, in March, ironically enough. And, um, you know, going to be bottom 10 and maybe Pedersen leaves town because the team sucks. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. That, that's a dark spot to be, though. I mean, he Pedersen's still an RFA, so he still control his rights unless uh, uh, unless he decides he goes to management and says, like, I'm out. Um, then then that's the really, really dark day. Right. Is yeah, well, he just says, and, and players might be coming more empowered, too. Right. Like you saw Matthew Kachuk do it. Um, I, I, I think it's not unrealistic that, you know, maybe some of these RFAs start kind of choosing their own destiny a bit more, too. Uh, I can't wait for Mike Greer to offer sheet uh, him next season. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> the Sharks, they got the cap space. They're going to have the picks. Uh, Let's. <laughs> oh, that's that's a nightmare, man. That's a nightmare. That's like you're you're haunting me. Like, um, oh man, I was I was just thinking before, like when the Canucks started going downhill, was before the, when the Sharks started going downhill. Like 2015 16 when Marlowe and Thornton are just like thumping the Canucks every night, and we're playing like uh McCann and Vertanen on the first line as, yeah. as 19 year olds, and you're just like, I hate the Sharks. That kind of hatred will come back up if you guys offer shit to Pedersen. <laughs> Mike Greer, I know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be, I'll be more let it happen. He was interviewed about, um, or he was asked about signing Pedersen to a contract. He said, I'll even have Pedersen in my house, I'll make him Swedish meatballs. So Alvin's on it, man. Can, me, can Mike Greer make Elise Pedersen Swedish meatballs? That's the question I want to know. Uh, don't worry. We have uh, Phil B. Sid, William Eklund. Uh, you know, we have Matthias Havlid. I think all those guys can make uh, Swedish meatballs. So plenty of plenty of Swedes. You have Zetterlin. You have, you know, you have plenty of Swedes available in San Jose to, to go hang out with. And you already have Elise Pedersen replacement. Uh, he just plays defense. So, all right. Um, I think we kind of know because we were just talking about who's the most important player for the Canucks this season. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe I'll give you a different one other than Pedersen, because Pedersen's pretty obvious. It's Thatcher he's, Demko. I mean, I think that's, I, to me, that's he's probably more important than Pedersen, because I think we know Pedersen's going to be great as long as he's healthy. Yep. Demko was great until last season when he was terrible at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, Thatcher Demko, he can play at a Vezina level. He's been there before. I think he can do it again, but goaltending is unpredictable. And if Demko sucks, I don't think the team's going anywhere because I don't think his defense is that good. <laughs> I I mean, <laughs> as Sharks fans, we've watched terrible defense for and terrible goaltending for even longer. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, you know, and it, it feels like the Canucks will go as far as Demko can take him, right? You know, like you said, you know, Hughes is going to be great. You know, Pedersen, like the four lines are, are pretty solid. At least there, there's, you feel solid about the Canucks forwards and the defense. Uh, you're, you're hoping Demko can kind of return to form. Um, you know, I wonder if, you know, that, that season before, right? That 21, 22 season, we played 64 games that year. And I wonder if that just kind of caught up to him and like just too much of a workload. So are you worried about the backup goalie potential? Uh, position then <laughs> yeah probably a little bit to be honest i mean you yeah. have spencer martin who looked great as a backup and then as soon as he was thrust into the starters role last season he was one of the worst goalies in the nhl and archer Silovs, yeah he you know he's looked fantastic in the ahl he was uh the eighth mm -hmm. abbotsford canucks mvp last season he was a winter world championship but he's also what like a 22 year old goalie with five career nhl games so uh, backup goaltending is a question mark um, with Demko, he he has been injury prone, so I mean it's kind of wait and see, right? He's had hip surgery. 
um you know obviously like uh, was injured again last season for a few months and you just never know right but uh, i think the canucks they need demko to be playing that 55 60 games and be healthy and be a difference maker if they want to be a playoff team could i interest you in one capo cacity <laughs> What's it? What's his cap at right now? Uh, it's like two point five million dollars. He's on last year of his deal at two point five million dollars. So. Okay, cap. cap uh, how about Capo Kakinen for Tyler Myers? <laughs> the trade is one for one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tyler Myers. No, get out of here, Tyler Myers. Oh right. come on! I thought I had you for a second. Um, who do you think is the most uh, going to be the an impactful young player or rookie? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one, and I think it comes down to Hooglander or Pod Colson. Oh, look, mm-hmm. the sun is shining now, eh? Uh, yes. You know, this, uh, the sun is shining on the Vancouver Canucks next season. That's what this is. A sign. As you that's talk about, sunshine is on me and not you. Yeah, Hoglander. The sun's coming down to talk about Hoglander. Oh, so Hoglander. Um, I, you know, those. I think they're both interesting players. Um, I, I see Hoglander probably with making more of a difference than Pod Colson. I think Hoglander mm-hmm. has the higher ceiling. And he proved it as a young guy in the NHL uh, in his first season. He was yep. you know, really good, a really good second liner. I think he just has to clean up the turnovers and mistakes in his game. But otherwise, he's an aggressive four-checker. He's really talented with the puck. Um, and I think the Canucks could you know, make use of him. Again, he's making $1.1 million. So he's a discount player. Bob Colson is easier to picture in the lineup because he's got the more physical stature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't like his scoring potential that much. Like I think he could be a solid you know, bottom six player for this team. But I think Hoagland is really the guy that could take a step forward. Yeah, uh, every time I saw Hoaglander in the AHL, it was just like, this guy's really good. And yeah, um, I think he's going to be really, yeah, really, really good. I also want to see uh, Aturati at some point. Uh, I loved Rati in, in the draft. I uh, really upset the Sharks and draft him. And now, yeah, I can see him just kind of being one of those just really solid dudes for the Canucks for the next like couple seasons because he's really yeah. good. So yeah, yeah, I don't know if he makes the jump this year, but I think he's, he's got a chance to uh, next, next year or two to kind of start making an impact though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this season it, for him, it's about being like a point of game player in Abbotsford and just kind of playing big minutes. You know, it's interesting. Like uh, we, we kind of dove in this on lockdown Canucks, but um, he has a very similar arc to JT Miller. Like JT Miller was very similar at the same age. They both kind of, mm-hmm at a high pedigree and then some problems after they got drafted. So uh, seeing if his crew arc is similar to JT Miller's is kind of a, a little tiny fascinating thing for you to watch. All right. Uh, the last question, where do the Canucks finish in the Pacific? I'm saying fourth place, you know, it's August, the sun is shining. And I think the, the Pacific division really is in three tiers, right? You have yeah. Edmonton, Vegas, LA. I think those are your top three and anything outside of that's pretty bold. I mean, you never know, but yeah, the bold take. And then I think in that four, five, six, you have Vancouver, Seattle, and Calgary. Um, I I don't think Seattle's going to be as good as last season. I mean, you know, prove me wrong, I guess. But um, hmm. I think they had a lot of things go their way last season, and I think there's probably some regression there. And Calgary, every time I think they're going to be bad, they're good. And, and every time they're gonna you think they're going to be good, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, that's the pro- that's the problem with Calgary. So right now, it looks like they're probably not going to be very good next season. So they're probably going to figure out and be good. Um, but I'm going to say the Canucks finished ahead of both those teams, uh, both ahead of Calgary and Seattle. I'd probably go Calgary fifth, Seattle six right now. Um, mm. if I'm ranking the, the division. And then San Jose and Anaheim at the bottom. That's a great question, man. That's a great question. Oh, I think Anaheim's, you're hoping for eighth, so I'm going to say seven. Yeah, Anaheim's going to – I well, I thought Anaheim was going to make the jump last year because uh, I thought, like, they have just so many young players that, like, that are really good. So I thought they were going to make the jump last year. But uh, I think their coaching, it was terrible. And I try – like, I think they're 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 – they got to make the jump at some point, right? Like they just have too much talent to not just be like to continue to be a bottom dweller. So, uh, but yeah, the Sharks are are one of the three worst teams in the NHL this year, and I, for one, am looking forward to it. So, 
Yeah, enjoy, man. You'll uh, draft on the Vancouver boy, Macklin Celebrini, and I'll, nice. I'll be jealous. I'll be jealous. I'll be jealous. San Jose Junior Shark. Uh, yeah, San Jose Junior Shark, Vancouver native, and he's going. Uh, he's playing college uh, hockey in Boston. That is a Mike Greer just wet dream right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Trevor, thank you so much. Where can the people find you? Uh, well, if you're on YouTube, you can see my Twitter down below, Trev Beggs. Um, and if you're not on Twitter, well, go, go find Locked On Canucks wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube, okay? So if the Sharks start bumming out during the season, you know you can always tune into Locked On Canucks. And when the Canucks piss you off and you need to uh, calm down a bit, go head over to JD's page and he'll uh, he'll take care of you as well. When uh, when you're a Canucks fan and you want to start to to get into the draft, it, we'll we've got you covered. A lot, <laughs> yeah, <I'm sure>. we <laughs> well, we're gonna start draft coverage very early this year. <laughs> I assume so. Draft coverage in October. Oh boy, uh, we already already mentioned started just a little bit of draft coverage. Uh, <laughs> looking ahead to the 2024 draft because uh, yeah, it's going to be a long season in San Jose. Well, and, and that'll be the biggest moment on the Sharks calendar too, right? So that, that's, uh, that's what it was last year too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, you can follow the uh, Locked On Sharks wherever you get podcasts uh, and on YouTube as well. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads at Locked On Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter and Threads at My Fry Hole. Until next week, bye, friends. <laughs>